And now, your local forecast. Welcome back. If it's the first time tuning in, you can listen to us on Spotify or Apple Music, or you can follow us on YouTube. My name is M4 Sonic, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Chief Street. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Can't complain. What's on the cards today at the studio? We're going to record this podcast. Mm-hmm. After that, I've got a client coming in. Her name's Sacred. Mm-hmm. She's a rapper. Yep. Uh, she's fantastic. So we're going to start working on another single of hers. We've got one dropping in about three weeks, I reckon. And then the, the aim is to pretty much have one coming up like every six to eight weeks, which nice. is a pretty good I like plan of release dates. Yeah, I want to dive into that a bit later, actually, about the consistency and uh, the momentum and what you guys are planning. Yeah, it's really important. What about you? Uh, today, yeah, obviously recording the podcast. And then uh, while you're in the studio, I'll be doing some bits and pieces. And then I've got another producer coming in tonight and I'll be helping him with some of his projects. So, so he's a producer, not a vocal. Paul Marshman. Oh, yeah. Local legend. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I think we're doing a bit of a mix and master on uh, some projects we've been working on. So we'll be doing a late night sesh. Yeah, that's so, cool. Full day. So one of the themes I thought would be really cool to dive into for new people that have found the podcast, but also people that have been listening, is strategy. I think we're going to have a lot of music producers and creatives in general that want to know how basically it all works. Obviously, you can have talent and you can be making music, whatever, but how do you actually make a career? Like, this is full time for us, right? So how does someone else get to this level? A lot of hard work and like you said before, consistency. Yeah, so... Let's go back to when we first started making music. You mentioned something to me when we were making coffee before about releasing an EP when you first started out. Yeah, probably one of the worst moves I made because I had four to five tracks that I was so proud of that I did really, really well. I thought they're actually some of my favorite songs that I've made. I think at that time when I was writing music, I had so much time that I could just make sure that every little bit was executed the exact way I wanted it to be. And then overall... The project like flowed pretty well. I gave it this really awesome intro and then it rolled off into the first single and then I had like three more after. So I think it was five track EP. And at the point I had an audience, but not really much. I sent the EP out to labels and I even got a response from a pretty decent label saying, look, we're not keen on the EP, but we could take a single. Me being young and naive, I wasn't interested in that. I was like, mm. you know, I want the EP sign. Yep. So I released it myself and it felt like I took five songs and just burned them. Because trying to push that much music yeah. onto an audience that doesn't really exist at that point. Sure. Yeah. This I, is a problem I've had too, right? So I released an EP when I first signed to Ultra. I wish I'd spent a little bit more time perfecting that because at that particular time, there was an audience. Mm. So the opposite. Back when EPs were really popping, the label had a lot of followers. So the label itself had, you know, a dedicated audience that knew Ultra Records put out a certain type of music. And when I dropped my EP, my audience were like, well, what? this doesn't correlate with the launchpad music you've been making. Like, <laughs> Was it the electro stuff? Well, it was all based off the prior success of the YouTube videos. So... There's a vocal sample in Weapon. I think you and my friend should hang out the weekend. Which yeah. It's a Skrillex line, isn't it? I think. But I think he sampled it from somewhere too. Probably. I likely. think. Yeah, Who knows? yeah. Just out of respect to the industry and the game, I told the label I don't want to put that vocal out until it's cleared. And nobody had any idea how to clear it. So we removed it and we released Weapon 2.0. And it was not as successful as Weapon. Because it didn't have that hook? Yep. And also I had to rewrite a few parts where I had samples that I didn't clear and 
everything else was cleared, Billy. Is that because they were all a mashup of like all these things? Mm. Yeah, it's pretty hard to go through one one by one and get a clearance on all. And we were rushing, we were rushing. Like, I, like when I say we, like my team and I at the time, we're like, let's go, let's get this out, and everything had to be slightly reworked, and there was an audience hungry for it, and you had the hype, so it's like you had to push it out. So it was the opposite of what happened with your EP, right? So you had a a smaller following Mm -hmm. and even like, I'm not comparing followings because again, I'm talking about the label's audience, not my own. I mean, Ultra is a brand that everyone knows in the dance music world, maybe even outside of it. Like they've got the festivals, they've got the label, it's huge. Yeah, exactly. So actually, fun fact, did you know that Ultra Music Festival and Ultra Records are two separate entities? No. No, I did not know. Did you I, not know that? I've been to Ultra in Miami, though. Same. The best. Oh, we had a killer time. It oh was, you know how we did it? It was, we booked our American holiday, me and three other boys. Yeah. And at the end of the three weeks, the last, the final three days were the festival. And we all looked at each other and were like, are we going to do this yeah. or are we not? Yeah. If, if we do this, this is going to be a pretty big grind to get through it mm. and survive. And then we did three days. In a row. Mm-hmm. And I won't dive into it, but that year, Ultra Miami wasn't in the city. No, this is when it went offshore to that other venue. The island or whatever nah, the hell. Dude, no, 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 no. I saved the trip for us. I saved it. I saw that. I was on the, the Reddit hardcore and everyone <laughs> on my in Miami was like, getting to this venue and getting out is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And then Ultra had a ferry service. Yeah. That obviously came with a price. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the pros were like, this is probably the move. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be in a mess. And I said to the boys, like, you know, you already spend 350 US on mm-hmm. a ticket. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is going to cost us another, you know, 200 bucks. Yeah. But I think it's going to be essential. Yeah, but you're smart like that, man. That's why, like, we need you here at the studio. Yeah. Like, you, you think bigger. <laughs> yeah, I, I plan this really, really well. So we did it. We got the ferry passes. Yeah. Uh, rolling into the festival day one, awesome. Yeah. Such yeah. a cool experience. Nothing like being on like the, the water in front of Miami. You're looking at the city as you roll in. Yeah. So sick. And then the nighttime hit. And it was pretty funny because we got in the ferry and like somehow we got the music one, the one where like the DJ was still going. And it's like, dude, it's 2 a.m., 3 yeah. a.m., whatever. Yeah. No one wants to listen to bangers anymore. <laughs> and it's like at that, that volume level where you're like, oh, stop, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And it's bad music at a bad time. And so I thought that was pretty bad. But at the same time, we got, we got home in a timely manner. Well done. Got home, jumped on the Reddit. Yeah. And Twitter was just dying. Yeah. People couldn't leave. The, the buses, it was just like ants lining up, yep. people cutting in. The buses weren't ready. Taxis didn't exist. Like basically they wanted to sh- uh, shutter people from like one bus stop to the end of the mm. bridge. They called it the ultra marathon because everyone, <laughs> everyone had to walk it back. Wow. So luckily, it all turned out all right for us. And then we had people trying to buy our ferry wristbands like daily. Wow. Because that's how much of a disaster it was trying to get people from this island. Mm. Well, they're back now, right? So Ultra is back. Yeah. So career goal of mine is to play the main stage of Ultra Miami. That's a big stage. Yeah. So my experience at Ultra, I didn't play at Ultra. I went as a guest and it was... Incredible. So we were at the Winter Music Conference yep. with Ultra Records. And yeah, getting back to Ultra and Ultra not being the same thing, they have a deal where the, the brand names can coexist and whatever, and there's an alliance there. But, the, mm. but Ultra Records does not own Ultra 
music festival. It's probably a good thing from a business point of view. I think festivals are pretty yeah. risky business. Yeah, well, not ultra. That well, I guess with the. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, my experience at Ultra was incredible. I got like an artist pass and went along, and so yeah, did the the, the yacht thing too. Got taken in on like the ferry and stuff, and that oh, was wow. just so cool. And then it was actually really special because my agent at the time was at William Morris Endeavor and uh, just happened to be Martin Garrix's guy as well. So we were uh, effectively backstage watching the headline acts mm. and it was just unreal. Yeah. Hardwell closed the stage that year and it was, it was actually super special. Shout out to Amber Shepard, um, an Aussie vocalist who sang on Apollo with Hardwell. When they closed, basically, Ultra's wrapping up. We're backstage. We go to, there's like a VIP section behind the main stage. And Amber's on uh, the back of a little golf cart with Hardwell. And she zoots past and she waves. She's like, hey, Nick. I'm like, oh, my God, that's Hardwell. <laughs> and Amber, hi. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you recognize me. I was just, yeah, because oh, I just didn't feel part of the scene yet. Like, it was so fresh, so new. I'd only just yep. released the, the EP. Like, mm. it was all around the same time. And then here's a little side story about this, right? This was a really interesting moment. When the main stage acts have finished, there's a VIP section behind the main stage. It's like a little beach. It's pretty cool, like section off. And then there's this super yacht. And that's where the after party for all the artists, that's where they go. We couldn't get on. We tried. Yeah. My manager and I, Evan, were like, we've got this VIP thing we'll see. And they're like, no, no, no. It's for, it's for like the artists that have played. Mm. And as we're sort of just hanging around this massive super yacht, Armin Van Buren and his entourage rock up. And they're about to walk up to this yacht and the security's like, you can come on, Armin, with one, but not everybody else. And Armin was so polite and respectful and everybody else was like, this security guard, what, what are you doing, man? Just let him in. Like, he's, he's got his entire family and entourage. Just, just let him on. Anyway, Armin was like, look, I appreciate you've got a job to do. This is my crew. Like, they have flown a long way to be with me. Like, they, they, they are all with me. It's fine. I'm not going to come on the boat unless they can come on. So, like, all good. And then everybody that's on the boat is like, oh, man, get on the boat. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 I, I can't. I can't bring everyone. And we're like, this security guard, just let him on. <laughs> and then and he, he was like, look, I respect you. You've got a job to do. But this is my family. It's my crew. And I, I want to be with them. Did so they get on? No. They got on. Okay. I was going to say. Like, <laughs> Someone comes down like moments later. And we're like, wow. Because, yeah. Wave them in. <laughs> wave them in. But any like low tier DJ would have been like, do you know who the fuck I am? Like, you let me. You... That's not the way. Nah. And Armin's like... And he was so polite. And I was, that was just a really interesting moment. And I've always remembered that. Humble. Be humble. Yeah. So getting back to the EP. Uh, I'm working on three albums right now, which I mentioned earlier. And it's, it's a lot of work, but I, basically I'm just removing ego from it and just putting out work in progress songs because mm -hmm. I feel like what's it doing on a hard drive when it could be out to the world? But it's a scary thought because I haven't been active. For a long time, for, for lots of different reasons and, you know, is what it is. When I start releasing these songs, the worst thing I could do is release them all at once to crickets. Which is probably a likely outcome. Yeah. So like if you drop 36 songs, mm. I mean, I, I think… I'll get 36 plays. <laughs> all from me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, man. I'll try to get through 36 songs. Well, that's it. So what we're thinking is we'll start with some like lead singles we say lead, like, we'll put a bit more emphasis on, like, four tracks. Like, hey, this is something that's, like, quite polished and whatever. And then they will get re-released on the album. So, interestingly, on Spotify, and I guess it works for any 
any platform. If you release a single and six months later re-release it on the album, when that album launches, it will also have the plays of the previously released single. Mm. So on release day, that's how you get like, oh, I've got 100,000 streams. It's like, well, yeah, because the last six months you've been accumulating plays on the previously released single. So that's a good technique for anyone playing at home. If you want to try and get some momentum, stagger your releases before dropping an EP or before dropping an album. And you really need to understand your audience. Like, do your audience care enough to want to listen to an entire album? Are you taking them on a journey? Or are you just releasing basically a bunch of mixed mash songs, you know? What's the objective? Yeah, I think anyone at a lower level, you're probably better off just releasing singles. And then maybe you put them all together with an extra track or two and you can call that your album or your EP. Yeah. But to, to release a large chunk of music without a, a solid audience, mm. I just don't know if it's a right move. It didn't work for me at least. I, yeah. I had all these songs I was so proud of and I did a single first and what do you know, that was the one that did really well. Mm. And then the rest just got hidden. Yeah, so I guess in 2023, the way to get people to engage with music is it's getting harder, right? So I think about this a lot. And it's why I wanted to start this podcast because I have this internal monologue. I don't know if you have this, but like I am just deep in conversation with myself all the time, troubleshooting. Like as an adult, all I do now is look at problems and try and figure out solutions without having anyone to talk to about it. So I'm like, well, myself, talk to myself late at night while I should be sleeping. And I'm like, Ugh, spiraling. And I think it's really important for mental health to talk about all the problems and, and address them. And then it's, it's great to know that other people have the same issues, especially in, in what we do, music. Effectively, making music is not difficult when you're in, the, in a good headspace. But trying to get that music out and listen to now when there's so much competition is difficult. I'm not signed to a major label anymore. I am on an independent label. I, I effectively should just be releasing my music on SoundCloud. And seeing if I can build an audience again, build some momentum and, and try and... I'm not saying like I've, I'm starting from zero, but the game has changed. The shift in where people's attention focus has been very much on a visual format, very much a short format. Releasing a 10-minute long YouTube video is not going to do as well as a short. You know? Putting a JPEG on Instagram is not going to do as well as a reel or a TikTok trending viral sensation, right? So that doesn't really relate to how I got into the scene with making music. And I've lost a bit of love for making long-form content, knowing that it doesn't get the same engagement anymore. And the amount of energy and momentum and consistency it takes to stay relevant was just so overwhelmingly complicated and difficult that I took a bit of a time off. Yeah, and it's a lot of it's all about momentum mm. and consistency. Like once you start to drop off that cycle, mm. you have to start again. Because Instagram will throttle you mm. after, if you don't post for six months, mm. the next time you post, they're not going to be like, oh, sweet, we're going to show your 20,000 followers. We're going to show them all your next post. Nope. They'll be like, nope, we're going to show them, we're going to show 200. Yeah. And then if you post again next week, they'll be like, all right, we'll show you 300. And it will slowly build up again. So you've got to stay consistent in that. And when you lose it, it's like, all right, now I've got to build back up. So for you, with these new albums coming out, mm. like you're going to have to start, the hype is going to have to start six weeks before the first single gets teased or whatever. But do you feel like that's too long? I feel like telling someone I'm going to release a song in six weeks, they're like, cool, well, what are we doing now for the next six weeks? I want to listen to it now. I don't think necessarily you have to say my new song is coming out in six weeks, but you just have to be on the internet for six weeks coming up. Well, good news, everyone tuning in. This is going to be a weekly thing, what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know what Chief Street and Infosonic are doing. I think the, the secondary agenda is that there's music coming out. 
yeah, this is just like an opener for like who we are as people, what we do, yeah. how we help people. And I think to... it's important to tell people that there are roadblocks. Oh, so many. I mean, I, I, I'm facing one right now. What's your roadblock right now? Let's, let's well, fix it. I don't know what I should be doing. It's really hard. I want to be Chief Street, mm. but I also find great enjoyment in just helping other people. Same. And that stuff is uh, very rewarding. Mm. And it also takes the pressure off a little bit. I like being like, okay, you come together, we create. At the end of the day, there you go. That's what we made. Up to you now. You do whatever you want with it. Whereas ah, if I make it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's now the same problem. It's the cycle begins. Okay, I got to do the artwork. I got to do the video. I got to push it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind that. Mm. But, you know, you spend the 50 hours on the track and then you get 500 plays, you get 1,000 plays, you get 20,000 plays. Great. Awesome. Mm. Mm. But in our state where we live as well, and like I'm not the biggest, I don't have a massive following. It's not easy for me to get gigs. I don't have a manager. You know, and then even is that the life that I want? We've spoke about that in the earlier episodes. Let's let's go back to when music was recorded on tape or vinyl. Do you think bands were as proactive? And I'm using bands as an example because old school music. Do you think bands or like even Elvis Presley or anyone that was a mega hit maker, were they as proactive in promoting themselves? Or do you think it was the responsibility of the publisher, the record label? the manager, was it done for them? Did they just have to make great music? I would say yes. Mm. At least that the, the, the people higher up in the team, look, I mean, I don't know, I wasn't alive in that, at that time, but from what I can see from the outside looking in mm. is that, yes, the focus was on like, just make great music and then you have like the people to send it to the radio and push it mm. and make your post. Like, I'm, I don't know. Elvis didn't have an iPhone being like, oh, i got to post. So, oh, exactly. <laughs> like, I assume his focus was on trying to make great music. I mean, he did film like crazy as well. That's so very true. His career is an interesting one. I really want to watch his new movie. My dad's like a massive Elvis head. So I think that story in particular would be really But uh, I'm wondering if we need to look back instead of forward all the time and just maybe recalibrate what's important. It comes down to values. and it's Just hard at our level. Well, my level. Anyway, it's like, I, I would love to just write music, but what am I going to do for a career or for income? And mm. like making music just because I love it doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, and that's... Uh, so, so, okay, because I'm a full-time like at the studio now, Yeah, I see the entire spectrum and I wonder sometimes where I fit into that spectrum because sometimes I feel a little high and mighty. I'm like, oh, I'm at the upper end of that and then sometimes I'm like well I'm really no different to this artist that's come to me recording their first ever demo and they're like what do I do with this once I've finished and it's like well yeah exactly what what so it comes down to what are your objectives and the problem is in in my situation right now is that my objectives and I don't use goals I use objectives right like Navy SEALs don't have a goal to maybe rescue the hostage your objectives your key objectives are mission success mission failure that's an enormous amount of pressure and I've done that to myself and it's been crippling. But my objectives are massive. And so sometimes they're overwhelmingly massive and the little steps needed, necessary, effectively don't get me close to my big objectives because on the daily, life just roadblocks me, right? So when an artist comes in, they're like, what do I do once I've recorded a demo? It's like, well, what do you want to do? And a lot of people have been sort of almost blindsided into this 
perceivable fame and success and what it takes. And it's just inaccurate. We don't know really what anybody's story is and everybody's journey is so different that at the core for you and I, especially in 2023, I would love to pursue music more as a hobby and as a creative outlet, which I think will mean that I'm not so willing to chase trends or to do what's popular and actually create music that is meaningful to me, which should resonate with my target audience. Maybe not on a mass scale, but it will actually be meaningful to someone like me, right? Effectively trying to monetize that is of interest to me only so that I can pursue it longevity, but I'm not trying to be famous or to make money. And that is what most people get wrong. They come to the studio because they think that this being a professional place is the entry to now I make music full-time and I, I'm going to make tons of money. Wrong. But the onus is still on the artist. Yeah, unfortunately. And that's not, look, that's not a bad thing. And, and the, the best artists that are doing really, really well, I've seen are probably more determined than they are talented. Yeah, like the grind. The interesting thing about the word grind, I think there's a negative connotation with that. I don't think they see it as a grind. I think they are so excited to, to do what they're doing and pursue it. I think there was a huge amount of naivety when I started out and, and far less skepticism so that I was willing to take risks and to do things because I'd sort of made this picture of what Hollywood was and what it was to be a part of the scene and it was exciting. I've been on the other side of the fence and I'm yeah. like, oh. It's not all what it's cracked up to be. That was so much effort to get there. Bloody hell, you, when you fall, you fall far. Yeah. <laughs> do I want to do that again? The answer is yes, but my energy, just don't have the same energy for that. But my energy is different. My energy comes down to the quality now, not the quantity. And, and the world is not respectful currently of quality. It's quantity. So I'm not trying to demotivate people listening or watching this. I'm going to crack this code. I am. And, and I'm going to t- show everybody how I've done it. Like, this is full access here. Well, I'm excited to see what comes forward. So your roadblock currently is the same as mine. We make a song. Fantastic. But it's only going to cost money to make it. It's only going to cost money to promote it. It's the time. It's the time to make it even. Mm. Like, you know, for our tracks, well, I don't know. You are a bit of a prodigy. So I think you work really fast. Oh, thanks. I am not. So sometimes it takes me a while to get things sitting the way I want it to, mm. to find that sound, mm. to make that sound or whatever. So it's like, do I really want to commit, what, 30 hours of music making time mm. of my life, which is getting lesser and lesser that I have available mm. to make the song that I then need to do all the work on at the end? Like I said, I'm not complaining about doing that work. It's just, what, what do I get out of it at the end is what I'm really struggling with. Okay, so let's strip it back. The music that I'm making now is for me to listen to in my car. Yeah. And in my headphones. I used to love, as a teenager, just chilling out with headphones in, pretending to play at music festivals. I was like manifesting. Yeah. Even before I knew that that's what I was going to do, I just loved the idea of being in a car, cruising in a sunset, or in a boat, or at a music festival, and it was my music being played, not someone else's. Yeah. I'd listen to other people's music and pretend it was mine. What you and I need to establish... And to encourage, once we've established the value, is why would you sit in front of Ableton and make a song? It's like, yeah, I feel like making bass music today. Like, it just empowers me and motivates me. And and it's crazy because there's an energy that we can't understand that comes from listening to music that does weird and wonderful things to humans, right? That should be your focus. 
And you'll prioritize it just like you would playing a video game or seeing a friend or partner or family because it's important to you and you get meaning from it and you give meaning to it. So only when that is what you want, you pursue it. And for the longest time, man, it wasn't for me. That's why I was roadblocked. I was like, yeah, but I've done it. I feel like that might be where I'm at at the moment. It's like I still enjoy making it. Yeah. And, and doing it for myself. Yep. But it's, I just, I don't know what happens with it when it's out there. Okay, so let's talk about community. And I, I know this for a fact. When you've been here more often, you've been more inspired, more motivated. You felt like you've been around other people. It's, it's important not to focus on the struggle, but to be aware that other people have the same struggle as well. But it's kind of kick-ass when you see other people doing it, right? Like when you were ultra... And you saw all those people playing on the stages and there was a buzz and there was an atmosphere, right? How badly did you just want to... Every time you're at a festival or whatever at a club and you're watching the dude on stage, you're like, man, I can do that. So environment is a really big factor. Yeah. We do live in a city that doesn't have a huge priority for what we do. It's just not enough people. I'm not going to blame the city at all. No, no, we, we just can't. like There's... have a small population. Yeah. There can't be that many nightclubs. Like one of our biggest ones just shut down. Yeah. Because you can't get a thousand people twice a week in a venue because they just don't exist. But first world privilege problems, like we have the whole world at our disposal now. So we just got to think bigger. Like who, who cares? Like, look, I'll pay homage to Adelaide, but Adelaide did not build me. I went offshore to get where I had to get to and then came back and they were like, who are you? Mm. I'm like, cool. All right. Yeah, I get it. It's tall poppy <laughs> syndrome in Australia. It's okay. Until you succeed elsewhere, and then they're like, oh, yeah, now he's our boy. <laughs> but on the, on the come up, it's, it's yeah. not really like that. Ah, oh, look, it is what it is. That, that's a topic for another podcast. But in terms of the roadblocks, uh, we need to remove those and just think about, okay, if we can target core audience that really are quite receptive to the music we make and nurture them, they will nurture us, right? And it will only build... If it's meant to. It's got to be natural. Okay, that is the biggest thing that I want people to take away from this episode, right? You have to do things for the right reasons, number one. And when they're successful, it's because they were meant to be. Okay, you can't force this shit. And everybody out there right now is comparing themselves to whatever bullshit they see online. And they think, oh, well, because that person can do it, I can. Wrong. You need to be focused on what you're able to do and wanting to do for the right reasons that will be receptive with the right people at the right time. This is all chemistry and timing. Mate, that was a beautiful little way to wrap this up. I think people need to appreciate and acknowledge that, yeah, it is tough, but boy, it's worth it if you do it for the right reasons. Love it. Cool. Thank you for tuning in. We are going to keep troubleshooting and talking about all the good and the bad about what we do in this industry. We hope that there's a lot of takeaways from our audience and from other producers and other creatives. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere else that we decide to put this out. And if you're following along on YouTube, make sure to hit subscribe and like us because the internet works against us these days. So if, uh, if you don't connect with us, we, uh, we likely won't be in your algorithm. We need your help. You can follow Chief Street on Instagram at Chief Street. You can follow me at Enforsonic or Matrix.Adelaide. Until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you soon.